No Lasting City, probably the second best podcast in the world. I'm Matthew Johnston, and with me today is Andrew Young and Young Toby. No Lasting City is a ministry of Riverbend Bible Church, and our goal is to distract you from the mundane and to ravish your minds with the glory of God manifested in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Our guest today is Pastor Scott Ardavanis from Kingsburg in California. Scott is just a true gift to the church. Uh, he's pastoring up there in Kingsburg, as I said. Uh, he is a faculty member of the Extension Campus of the Master's Seminary, and he is a longtime guest uh, here at our Impact Bible Conference. He's a true treasure to Riverbend Bible Church. And so, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, brother? Hey, very good. And I'm just glad to be in conversation with you guys in New Zealand. It's a dear place in my heart. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, Scott, about life and ministry for you at the moment. We know that you have a dear uh, brother and sister of ours, uh, Jack uh, and Michelle yeah. Barley over there at, at the seminary on your campus. Ha tell us a little bit about life and ministry for you at the moment, Scott. Well, it's been a joyful time, I think, Matt. And I, I say, you know, every context is a little different and ours is unique. I think when sometimes people see the, the difficulties that the state of California has, there have been great difficulties in it. But at the same time, there's different zones. I think we say that one out of eight Americans live in California. So if there's 320 to 30 million Americans, I believe 80, live in the state of California, and we're right in the middle of California in a very agricultural uh, climate and uh, an agricultural uh, production of business. And so we've actually had a great amount of freedom. And during the, the pandemic or COVID, it was actually some of the sweetest seasons that we've ever had in ministry because after the initial you know, the ideal of live streaming, we then went outside and gathered. And then very quickly, we went inside and God just gave us tremendous growth because of everything that was shut down in areas around us. And so a unique time and a unique place. And, and God really, really blessed that. I, I say that with a measure of caution because not every pastor and not every church has experienced that. And God gave us a great amount of unity internally as an elder team and even our body. I mean, when we opened up, I think even we probably still had 95% of the people coming back. So though a, a very trying time for all of us at the same time, at least where we are in that spot of California, very, very fruitful and impactful. And one of the reasons it was so fruitful and impactful is that there was no school going on at the public schools. And then combine that with no sports, our student ministries just, just mightily growed because the students were bored. There's no school other than online and there was no sports going on. And so God just used that as a catalyst to to propel us in many different aspects of our ministry. So it, it was a unique time and a time of blessing. So wonderful. Yeah, we speaking from uh, what we've gone through. You know, we us younger guys, we we look look towards how you guys are 
handling things and, and even though you're in another nation uh, with an yes. altogether different context, um, yeah. there are those timeless, transcendent, uh, just convictions and, and biblical principles. And, you know, one thing, Scott, um, uh, Andrew sent through your message uh, that you preached just recently at the Master yes. Seminary Chapel. And and for me personally, when I when I see uh, anyone standing behind that pulpit in that place, I really mm. miss my time at seminary. Oh, sure, uh, sure. I remember the times of being so exhausted. I remember, to mm -hmm. my shame, uh, falling asleep when Sinclair Ferguson came to preach, <laughs> and and that's that's one of the great travesties of my life. Just so ex so exhausted, didn't know whom was in front of me. And Andrew sent that sermon through to to a few folk, and 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 a number of us have listened to that and. That was just a really great, timely sermon, and I, and I love the way you delivered that. And that even transcended uh, what what you're experiencing there in America and, and blessed Andrew and I, yes. and, I, and I know a number of others. And there's a definition that you gave for gentleness, and it really mm -hmm. stuck with me. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I love that definition you gave of gentleness. I just want to read it real quick uh, yeah. for, the, for the people listening. Um, in that sermon, you uh, define gentleness this way. You said gentleness is, and let me pinpoint this for you, you said, and I like that. Yeah. You said gentleness is a freedom from resentment, a freedom from revenge, a freedom yes. from bitterness, and a freedom from retaliation. Yes. That really struck accord with me and um mm -hmm. you know when i think of your ministry scott and you and and listeners just so you know scott's been coming down here to new zealand from the very beginning really uh mm -hmm. and we want to get into that in a moment but when i think yeah. of you as a pastor i think you you ooze enthusiasm passion uh you know you are a man of conviction uh, and and you lead with conviction, and yet you're also marked by these wonderful things, and and one of them is is gentleness mm. and patience and humility. So thank you for that sermon. I don't know if you mm. want to comment on that, but that was a great sermon. I don't know. Andrew's here, and Toby's here, and uh, and 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 I know Andrew's listened to that and uh, agrees mm -hmm. with that. Yeah, it was just neat, Scott. You know, because I think even you know, I think we've if we can think broadly of our church, even yeah. before I I was involved there, I think we've been growing and learning theologically yes. uh, but to hear those practical ways that we live and display godliness and godliness and character gentleness patience mm. some of the difficulties we've been walking through involve um yeah more relational things and a, yes. and a practical maturity and so i think that was just a really mm. neat sermon and and uh, if anyone's listening wants to track down that they can search i'm sure for a tms chapel message with yes. scott Ardvanus, and they'll be able to uh, catch up with what we're talking about there but yeah that practical relational mm -hmm. aspect was so helpful scott well i maybe just a comment i i've been you know in pastoral ministry for 34 years now and certainly you're you're on an all-out effort to contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints as it says in the book of jude and certainly doctrinal clarity doctrinal precision is so vital. And yet, you know, that message really centered on Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, about the right attitudes that go into the marks of a healthy church. I called it that day. But I really believe that Paul was extending his thought to God be the glory in 321. And then you get to 4, 1, Paul says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, 
and he begins to usher forth how his glory is revealed in the body. And what strikes me there is those godly attitudes of gentleness and patience and forbearance and love and forgiveness. It's really counterintuitive to what we think. And yet those, in many ways, it's built off the platform of sound doctrine, but it's there that we often go awry and where disunity sneaks into an elder team or even into a church because sometimes we want our own way. But when those are running in the bloodstream, God's going to be glorified because the church is unified. And that's Paul's master narrative in chapter 4, 1 through 16. So it's his glory in 321, but in 4, 1 through 16, it's unity. And those attitudes need to run deep in the life of a local church. So... This is a great sermon, great sermon. As Andrew said, yeah. encourage you to pick that up and listen yeah. to it. Scott, you uh, came out here. Do you remember the first, what year was it <laughs> when you first came out to New Zealand? Boy, sometimes, Math, uh, Matthew, I, I forget. I, I want to say that it was either 1990 or 91. And I remember on that first trip, I had met Phil Henderson and, of course, Nigel Shaler, neither of them were married at the time, but there were just some wonderful times. So in, in one way, I've been coming to New Zealand, I think over those, what would that be? Let's say 34 years, if it was 90, I think I've been there 15, 16 times, and it just remains a dear place, has a dear place in my heart for the people, for the believers there, for the ministry over the years. And so it's been a favorite place of mine to go. Yeah, we've been uh, on the tail end of the the most recent years. I can recall on a personal yeah. level, uh, yeah. we're originally from Australia and the elders were eager to send me off to seminary. And before we went mm -hmm. off, they said, we want to send you to a place where the graduates from that seminary are preaching. And so they flew my wife and I and our firstborn uh, oh. over to Riverbend Bible Church at yeah. the 2010 Impact Conference. Yes. And the preacher was Scott Artavanis. Oh, uh, wow. And, and, and Ken Ramey. And yes, uh, I, okay. I, I rem remember that dearly. Take us back, Scotty, for, to when, yeah. you, when you first came down here. You know, you're, you're obviously uh, relatively new in, you know, if that's 34 yes. years ago, you're beginning your pastoral yes. ministry and you come down here and you, you, you probably heard about some little island at the bottom of the world. Yeah. Talk yeah. us through you know, that oh. first time and those recent times as well. Wow. Well, those are really fond memories. I even, I even paused to, to speak on them because I, that the best recollection I can have, it was a, a real work of the spirit of God in, in through the word of God in those opening years of 90. And I think I came 90, 91, 92, 93, 94. Rick Holland was with me, some of the other leaders uh, early on. And it was even hard to describe it because there was a, I guess in my mind, it's the best thing I've ever seen of a revival. And we gathered at Kiwi Ranch in Rotorua. And it was, and I first got to Rotorua and I thought, what is that smell? You know, it was, it was the sulfur and I wasn't used to that. 
And then behind that is this, and I, I always did a double take because when we pulled into that camp, we were right next to this place called Hell's Gates, where you can go in and visit those those sulfur springs. But I, I God just in an amazing way used those. It's even hard to talk about it because we were just preaching the word. We were centered at that point on students and we were sharing really what a biblical philosophy was from the foundation of the word of God. And the response was incredible. I don't, I don't know a way it was, it wasn't us. It was the word, it was the spirit of God. It was the people of God. And because it was at a camp like that, it was drawing people from all over New Zealand. And I believe some of those camps were 800, 1,000 people, and we didn't even know where they were all coming from. But it was electrifying to be a part of it. And there was a refreshment in the Word of God. I'm sure when I was coming, I was probably 28 or 29, and we were probably brash and a little bit arrogant as Americans, but we were just sharing with them what God was doing through the word in our ministries in the States. And God used that in an amazing way to save people and redeem people and encourage people and breathe holiness into the country. And uh, maybe I said it has such a special place because those are dear friends. So these are friendships for over 15 years that they were in high school and then I come back now and they have, they're married and they have kids and it is a, just a great joy. But Matthew, it's really hard to almost either quantify it, but it just was a, a, a time where I believe that in a very unique way, God's spirit was taking his word and using it. And it was tracking into the country, not just into one local church. And uh, we just had so much fun doing that as well. And so much fun with the Kiwi people that we just kept coming back every year. And God just kept blessing that and using that. Certainly no credit to who we are, but the power of the word. Amen. Amen. That really um, formed conviction in the heart of so many people. Uh, just the impartation, if you will, of sound doctrine. I've spoken to yeah. so many people, and I know Andrew uh, is one yeah. of these people, and he, he'll probably share a little bit about it. I've, I've spoken to so many people over the years who have come to the Impact Bible Conference or come to those uh, original yes. ones in Kiwi Ranch and yes. just been, been almost shocked by expositional preaching, the power of the mm -hmm. preaching of the Word of God, and it's radically altered their life. So, mm. you know, regardless of nations, regardless of where we come from, yes. obviously every nation has its own culture, every nation has its pitfall, mm -hmm. but we don't care if someone comes from New Zealand or Australia or England or, or wherever, or America, wherever yeah. it is, we're all just instruments in, in our precious redeemed yeah. hands. And so what a, what a joy that God saw fit uh, to bring you guys out and to bless so many in this country. And I'm sure the, the, the results, the fruit, uh, still exists today. So thanks so much. There was, yes. there's a story out there and uh, <laughs> I, I've heard about it, but haven't heard it from you. And um, I, I heard on that first trip, there was a small airplane and uh, something yeah. to do with that. Can, can you, can you share that with our listeners, Scott? 
Yeah, if if I can remember the context or the background, is I believe the year was. Um, I'm trying. I it was a unique year, and we they always told us don't come out and land on the day of the conference on Friday morning. They said get there on Thursday. So it means you need to leave Los Angeles on Tuesday. And we got to the airport and the, the, the plane was down. And so we couldn't go. We tried to do everything we could. Matthew, we tried to route through Australia, but it just, we couldn't get on. So we had to leave Wednesday, which then put us there at Friday at five in the morning, I believe in Auckland. And so it was the day the conference started. And instead of having a nice ride from probably there, the Auckland airport, we wouldn't get there to Rotorua in time. And so they chartered a little tiny, uh, we call them just a, a Cessna plane in, in New Zealand for us. And I was afraid to get on it at the beginning because I just think I'm not getting on that thing. I, there was a famous uh, musician named uh, Richie Valens who died on it. And the song that he was famous for was Ah la la bamba, you know, and so he had gotten on one of those planes in the States and through bad weather it went down and I thought there's no way I'm getting on that. And they convinced me to get on it. And uh, the best I can remember, it's just a four seater. It was three of us and our luggage in the back. So it's a small plane. I get on the plane and I thought I begin to feel queasy just getting on the plane. And while I'm walking into the the door, there's just one little tiny door that opens. It's like the size of a car. I see the guy going, <laughs> he's pulling tape and I, he's the pilot. I'm right there. He's like, I could touch him on the shoulder. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm putting duct tape on the window. And I said, no, you're not. He goes, oh no, this is a special kind of airplane duct tape. And he had a big crack in the window. <laughs> and I thought, there's no way I'm getting on this. And they're like, Scott, you've got to get on this. And, uh, and so I begin to feel queasier. And then we're, we're moving down the runway, still on the tarmac. And I leaned against the door and the door fell off its hinge. There's only one door to get oh, in no. the airplane. It didn't fall completely out onto the tarmac, tarmac, but it fell off the hinge. And it's so close that the pilot just says, oh, don't worry about it, mate. He leaned, he leaned over and he says, that happens all the time. And he pulled it shut and he locked it. And I thought, we're not going to make it. And then it's a prop plane with one propeller, not two. And I thought I was on the Red Baron plane out of uh, 1870 with Wilbur Wright, who invented the planes. And then as we took off, it was a massive storm and the plane is blowing all over the place. And those guys started to to hum the tune in the back seat, a la La Bamba. And uh, I just almost lost it right there. But uh, but it is true. I'm glad to be alive. Um, the plane landed. We ran into the, the youth conference that was being conducted, and God bless that. But those are some of the stories that you have that you'll never forget some of those things. You're a man of great yeah. faith, brother. <laughs> Who was with you on that one, Scott? Was I Rick think with you? Rick Holland was. I think another man named Walter Crutchfield was with us. That's why it might have been back in 92, 93. And I just, 
it just was the scariest thing that had ever happened to me. The, the, the windshield is broken. The door falls off the bracket of its hinge. A massive storm, but we landed in Rotorua and made a quick uh, taxi over to where the, the conference was. And God bless that. So that, that's wow. just one of many stories that, that live within me. And I, I would actually say to you guys, it was a unique time in ministry. We were all on staff, most of us at Grace Community Church, and we're kind of all h- hanging on to Dr. MacArthur's coattails. But I could honestly say those were some of the funnest times that we ever had in service for the Lord. So uh, Rick was there, Walter, another guy named John Dirks was with us. And uh, those were some of the pastors. And I even wondered if Ken Ramey early on went with us, but it just was a wonderful time and wonderful people upon which I'll look back and I have just great memories. Yeah, well, as Matt was saying, I think so many of us have come from different places around the country and and just to be exposed. I I remember I often tell people (laughs) I I didn't know what expository (laughs) preaching was, you know, so just the simplicity of that has been such a blessing to so many people. So we're so thankful. Well, praise the Lord. And probably the material or the content we were bringing was what we were doing in our ministries. So we weren't coming to say, here's what we're going to give you, but we don't do this. It was all the things that we were laying into our university students and high school students. And so we were able to come out of the overflow of our expository verse-by-verse ministry and share that with the Kiwis and the Aussies, Matt. And uh, the Lord really just used it in a great way. But he uses the power of his word, right? There were no gimmicks in those days. And um, I, I do remember one time... I was in a Q&A and a sweet mother, I'll just never forget it. She asked me up front in front of hundreds of people. They said, Pastor, what do you do to keep people out of the pub? And uh, it was the first time I had been ever asked that question. I think I understood she was saying in my language, what do you do to keep people out of the bar and out of a party lifestyle? And I honestly thought that was never the way we construed our ministry. We built our ministry off the foundation of the Word of God and preached His Word, and we weren't catering to the carnal, I like to say. We were running with the righteous. And God used just some of that bluntness, I think, um, because we weren't trying to come up with manipulation to keep our students happy or their students. We just shared what the Word Uh, stated, and we saw God do a work of grace in people's hearts through the power of the word, not through our own strength. So it goes back to those days, but those, those convictions, Matthew, and that you were asking about early, I was grounded in those early. Uh, Listening to MacArthur, you guys got to understand, I've known him for 51 years. I was there as a young boy and I just heard it unleashed week after week after week after week. And I saw the power of God there in the midst of my local church. So I thought, why would I do anything different or come up with some kind of gimmick that might attract someone 
And so we believed enough and had those convictions early on in our pastoral ministry. And again, those are the things we brought to New Zealand. So no tricks or any of that. We just brought the word of God to what we were already speaking. Amen. And may God receive yeah. all the glory and praise because Amen. it's such a testimony, isn't it? You've mentioned it. It's a testimony to the power of the word of God preached by a man who's full of the spirit of God. And uh, we, we just pray. We praise God for uh, for all those oh. times. And you were last here in uh, 2019, I believe. 19. Yes. 2019. Okay. Uh, Scott and Mike Abendroth, who's been on the podcast yes. as well. You guys mm -hmm. did such a wonderful job. I can remember oh, when oh. you preached a sermon on the love of God. And uh, yes. you could hear the, the attendees respond. Um, and uh, that was a special, special time. Uh, oh, we have the Lord. we have an endless uh, amount of you know just people giving testimony to how encouraged they are by 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 these conferences and Praise also people testimony people's testimony is a mm -hmm. part of uh, coming to the conference and we mentioned Jack Barley who is here yes. from New Zealand who's studying with mm -hmm. you at the seminary campus mm -hmm. you have there at your local church and uh, his brother was saved, wasn't he, under the preaching of, <clears throat> excuse me, yes. under your preaching at Impact Conference, uh, his brother Sam. I can yes. remember that. And so wow. what, a, what a treasure that is, your preaching, and he's uh, being converted under your preaching here at Impact. Well, what a dear friend is. And, you know, there's the beauty of time, Matthew, isn't it? It was 30 years ago, 31 years ago, 32, somewhere in there. If I've been going for 34 that I met Jack as a junior hire, and I just remember just being in my heart moved. His, his father had just passed away, and Joe Barley, his mother, was raising seven kids, and I had seven children. But now, Jack, we're so thankful to have him and Michelle at our church, but that, that friendship goes way back over 30 years to when he was a young guy in junior high. So th th those are the kind of special joys that God gives you over time. And I'm so thankful for that. I didn't know, Matt, you would have been there in 2010. What what a joy to know that he brought you to the seminary, then brought you back into mm -hmm. pastor at Riverbend. We're grateful for that. Yeah, it's been... Um... Been a been a real a real privilege and 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 we couldn't we couldn't do it without the encouragement and uh, example mm -hmm. of you guys and you mentioned mm -hmm. Australia I know that uh, historically plenty of Australians have come over uh, and, mm. and come over and been blessed by yeah. by by the Impact Conference we have the Impact Conference coming up again real soon um, yeah obviously we we we've gone again with a, a little bit of a Kiwi. Uh, speaker sure. model. The borders yes. aren't really open for the nations and, and all, all that contains yes. there. But we look forward to having having you back and uh, Conrad and Bayway, both of you guys coming yes. out here and, and, and blessing us. I know Toby's sitting there and Toby's our youth pastor. And yes. um, yeah. one, one thing uh, our listeners may not know is that we've been greatly blessed by getting your son out here. Uh, to our mm. annual sports camp conference, and people still talk about Johnny Artavanis's sermons. Oh. Uh, Johnny is such mm -hmm. a gifted, gifted preacher. Uh, he's a humble, kind uh, young man, and uh, he he does a lot of ministry to the youth, to the young folk. Uh, 
Yeah. He's obviously working now at the Masters University. Um, yes. Uh, he's he's married to his dear wife. I believe they've given you a mm -hmm. grand. Is it a grandson? Yes. Grandson. A, gr a granddaughter. Granddaughter. Lily sorry. Jean. Yes. Lily Jean. Yes. Lily Jean. So, um, yes. You know, Toby does a wonderful uh, job here with with our youth and just pouring into them. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, Tobes, I don't know if, uh, if, if you have anything you want to, want to say or ask Scott. Oh, I'm just, um, thinking back to, to that question of how to get the, the young people out of the bar or the, or the pub. Yes. Um, and it, it didn't even enter your mind. Um, yes. it was just to, to draw them to the word of God, uh, and, and what a joy and, and treasure that is. We don't mm -hmm. have to, to try to entertain them or, or do any right. gimmicks. Um, it, it just takes a, a huge pressure off us um we we have the word of god the, the a, a sure foundation amen um but through you, you've talked about many years uh how do you make sure you you keep coming back to that foundation yeah yeah in other words how do you how do you stay faithful to that how do you how do you keep coming back to that in the midst of a myriad of changes, both mm. in our secular world and even inside the Christian church? I mean, Matthew, you've seen some of the, the reports at some of the seminaries, one in particular in the States has lost over half of their students. Some of these uh, uh, are connected to, to denominations that are going down as well. They're not producing men who have a passion and have a conviction. But I, I think Toby, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm so grateful for the men that mentored me, and modeled for me, and grew me up in sound doctrine. I think I've been telling my staff over the la the course of the last year, it's not enough just for a guy to be trained right at seminary. He, that's half the job, but only half of it. He needs to see a model of faithfulness and trust in the Word of God. And clearly, you know, I had that with John MacArthur, and then we became friends early on through our family. And so I think, Toby, I'm just thankful. So I got there at 11 years of age. He was 31, so he's 83 on his way to 84. I've known him since he was 31. But that faithfulness that I've watched in him, I just never want to drop the baton. I just never want to let go of what was given to me. I, I, and then I kept hearing Paul saying, Timothy, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my faith, my purity, my devotion, my love. And Paul was modeling that for Timothy. And I just think of the men that have modeled things for me. And I just don't want to let go, Toby. Um, I, I just think it's so crucial who's mentoring and modeling. And I think it's so important that a, that a church is healthy where you see, you know, theology come out on fire, but where not only do you see theology come out on fire, but you see it implemented in the life of the leaders. And I just feel that modeling would never want to let me let go of it. Right. Number one. And number two, I guess I'm getting older now and 
I've been at this full time for, um, as I mentioned to you guys, 34 years. I've seen the blessing of God on faithfulness, not the distraction. I've seen the fruitfulness of what God has done in his word, both with young people. I would even extend it down, Toby, even into the children's ministry so that at our church, we're, we're working through the curriculum with them that grounds them in the doctrines in first through third grade. Then it, then it levels up to fourth through sixth grade. But I just got out of a meeting with our new junior high and high school pastor. He's unleashing the exposition of the word to our, uh, to our young people. And we've had scores of them get baptized and come to Christ in the last couple years. And I, I guess what I'm saying to you, I've seen the fruitfulness of God's blessing on a ministry that stays faithful to his truth and faithful to a holy life. And, um, and so what keeps me faithful is I need to stand before the Lord and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And um, so I just, you know, and I'm not done yet. I'm 59 and I want to keep going. And I look at John, I said hi to him uh, Friday night at the university graduation because they let me come up and give my three children diplomas. And that was kind of funny. He just leaned over to me and he said, Scott, your, your children have excelled academically. And it was just fun to see him. But I, I mean, he's just been that mentor and model. I, uh, but I just feel like if this pen was a baton, I ran track in high school, it was put in my hand early on. And I just don't ever want to disappoint first the Lord and I don't want to fall short of, secondly, the men who have provided me faithfulness to follow after. And it's just so key. And so now you see the fruit. You just would never want to change because of that. And I, I guess at that point, um, Toby, it just runs deep in me. I just do believe in the power of the Word of God. It is living it is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is piercing as far as both bone and marrow able. And I just, the children need that. And the students need that. And the adults need that. And that's the means that God has provided for us to sanctify our people is through the word of God. So it's been a joy. I'm never going to change. And Toby, I don't mean to be weird. We have a lot of fun. Here We do a lot of fun things, even in the summer outreach. We're going to do things like you do with the sports camp. Ours looks a little different, but the, 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 the deal breaker is we're going to preach the word of God in the setting of that so that God would unleash his means of grace to redeem people as they come to know him. I was driving out of the parking lot on Sunday with my wife and I did something for Mother's Day, and I just went over to Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 on obey your parents, honor your parents in the Lord. It's a first commandment, and my window was down, and this dear mom almost ran up to my car and said, thank you, thank you for, and she had her teenage kids with them, just thank you for clearly spelling that out, but I know it wasn't me I just taught what obedience and honor was, and that's revolutionary in our country today. So um, I just believe in that firmly, Toby. So that keeps me faithful. Amen. How wonderful. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're just grateful to have 
you guys as uh, models uh, and examples to us as, as we've been talking about. It's um, yeah, I was, I was even at the conference in 2010 yeah. uh, where wow. Sam was saved, and and yeah, it's just been uh, impactful in, in my life, and mm-hmm. and yeah, the word has, has shaped it, and just so mm-hmm. grateful for you. Praise Amen. the Lord. And you mentioned you're 59 years old and you want to keep going. You yes. keep going, brother. There's this, there's this idea when you turn 60 or 65, it's time to hang uh, up the shelf. And, and I, I think that often, you know, if the Lord wills and provides, you often get the very best of a pastor in those years. And so you keep going, yes. brother. We love and appreciate you. Thank you. You're listening to No Lasting City Podcast. We are a member of the Biblical and Reform Network. We're here with Scott Artavanis, who's the lead pastor of Grace Church of the Valley in Kingsburg, California. You also serve, Scott, with uh, Sufficiency of Scripture Ministries, SOS Ministries. Yes. Can you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about the work that you do there in Uganda? Yeah, that's good. I have the privilege. That's a friend of mine, Shannon Hurley. Sometimes the best context for ministry comes out of friendships. And Shannon and I have been a friend a long time. And he has started Sufficiency of Scripture, specifically in the country of Uganda, in Luero. And he has both a church there in Luero, as well as a pastoral training center where they're training uh, some of the men from all areas of Uganda and even some other countries uh, how to be pastors He's specifically doing that within the Baptist denomination. Matthew, they have about 1,500 pastors that are in that, and it's given him access to walk alongside these men and help them really with the things that I just talked about, have convictions from the Word of God, how to know Christ. Some of them need to be taught the gospel, and then the training goes from there. It takes about four years. They bring them in and then send them back to the village that they're from, then come back, then go back out, and most of them are serving in some type of pastoral position. So it's been a real blessing. In fact, the last time I was there, Matthew, I was with Conrad. Mabewi, and that's where I spoke with him at that conference, and that must have been in 2018 as well. So it's a sweet place. It's bearing fruit for God's kingdom, and we're excited. Wonderful. Praise God. Praise God. Scott, um, thanks for sharing a lot of that. That's that's really great. You, yeah. you're, you have seven children. Um, uh, yeah, five grandchildren. The Lord has blessed you. Um, and uh, yeah. what would mm-hmm. be some words that you would give to to people uh, who are who are really finding things challenging uh, in in these present days that we're in? Mm-hmm. You know, you. I think you know it was Robert Murray McShane that said, um, uh, "For every look at self, take ten looks at Christ." Um, right. What would you say to to, to people who are uh, finding a life and, and even ministry and, and, and just being a believer challenging uh, in these yeah. days where, you know, the secular world that we're living in coming mm. more and more uh, against the faith, if you will. Uh, what would you say to, to the saints um, uh, mm. about things like that? Well, it certainly has not been an easy time for anybody. So I, I recognize that, and it's not been an easy time for many pastors. And 
I realize some of the uniqueness, as I mentioned at the beginning, is a, is a place where we land culturally, and that has helped. But I, I guess I would just say it's been the greatest joy to be a father um, to my children. Uh, we have seven children, and Matthew, we're on our way up to nine grandchildren now. And uh, God's got a couple more on the way. And I would one of the things I would say is what a what a great uh, joy it's been to raise them. Some of my early memories being a dad were just so fun. I think I, I'm saying that because I think Patty and I determined early on. And I should say that in our family, it's a little unique. We have seven children, but what makes that unique, and I've shared this in New Zealand before, we had seven children in nine years. <laughs> so we didn't spread them out, and that's unique. So by the time our oldest daughter, who's a missionary in Albania, was nine, we had a set of twins, Lindsay and Lauren. And so we had the seven children in nine years. And maybe I would just say to the listeners on the podcast, Patty and I determined early on that there was one, uh, how would I say it? There was one refrain that we wanted to be predominant in our home. And we determined early on as young parents that the greatest sound in our home was joy, was joy. And so that, that laughter and joy became the DNA that ran inside the bloodstream of our house. So even though I was pastoring a young flock, both at Grace Community and then I pastored in Chicago, I just made sure that when my hand hit that doorknob, it didn't matter how tired I was, how spent I was, that I preached three sermons on Sunday and four when I was at Placerita. When my hand hit that door, I was I was dropping my bag and looking to tackle kids and laugh with them and just love on them. And obviously we weren't perfect, but I had to determine that joy was going to be the greatest sound in our home. Laughter. And I don't mean that at the expense of holiness. We had family worship almost every night. I've read through 50 biographies with them tons of pages of scripture. We went through a catechism with them, but joy, laughter, singing, even sometimes dancing. You could ask Johnny about that. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just determined and I wasn't perfect in it, but I used to talk to myself on my way home, driving in the car, looking in the mirror, saying, Scott, you, you don't be selfish. I was talking to myself, not in a psychological way. Scott, you're not tired. Your wife's tired. She's been changing diapers and wiping noses all day. You get home and make a difference. So I, I guess I want to put out there the utter joy of raising children because I meet young Christian families who aren't so sure they want to do that. They're not so sure that they're ready to have kids. And so they put it off. And of course, you guys know that many singles are putting marriage off but I just think I would, I would commend the, the selflessness that God begins to work in you out of our own pride and selfishness, and then the joy that he returns in raising arrows to be able to send them out all over the globe. And so they're all out of the house, 
at this point, but I look back and think, hey, these are hard times, but make them the best time because you have some unique times in the midst of the pandemic that we're coming out of. Wonderful. Wonderful. Scott, it's been a true joy and a real privilege to have you on No Lasting City podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you back out here real soon. Thank you, brother. I can't wait. I would love to come back out there and, um, uh, you know, whatever the Lord would do. I mean, at one point we were praying if we should come there full time some years ago and the Lord redirected us through a set of circumstances and his sovereignty. But our heart, I just want to say, is for New Zealand, is for the people in New Zealand. And we just want to, whatever way we could help, uh, help people be more like Christ, that's our desire. No Lasting City podcast is a ministry of Riverbend Bible Church in Hastings, New Zealand. For more information, please visit our website at riverbend.org.nz or visit us on YouTube. Follow us on social media where you can interact with us or ask us any questions. Our links are in the show notes and we'd love to see you there.